0: Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Random Sports Podcast. The famous name from MLB The Show Career Mode started a group of fantasy leagues years ago. And today, we gather with longtime Joe Random, Stephen Thayer, and Matt Ramirez to talk all things sports with other Joe Randoms. Our special guest this show is seven-year Joe Random, Nathan JT, the editor, Kuzbari. He is a three-time Joe Random's champion, and we really hope you enjoy this show. Remember, just keep swishing and don't strike out. All right, welcome everybody to the Joe Random Sports Podcast, episode six, Stephen Thayer, Matt Ramirez, and special guest, Nathan, the editor, Kuzbari, and uh, Nathan, we're really happy to have you, three-time Joe Random's champion, um, can you just give us an update on how you've been, what what you've been up to, and uh, any any fun facts you want to give to our listeners out there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, living in San Diego, California, um, work at a financial services firm at the moment. Um, still keeping up with fantasy sports, everything sports, really. Uh, I recently went to Lambeau field with, uh, yours truly, Stephen Thayer, uh, one of the best sporting experiences I've ever had. And, uh, just really happy to be on the show and talk some, some football and, and everything in between.
0: And, uh, for our listeners out there, uh, Nathan uh, sometimes goes by uh, JT. That is a acronym for Jason Tatum. And it was a traded Jason Tatum in a fantasy basket our fantasy basketball league four years ago, I believe. Now about four, three or four seasons ago, for a fourth round pick. Well, it was actually the other way. You traded a fourth for Jason Tatum, and uh, that name has stuck. Um, as uh, you've kind of taken a lot of jokes about your trading history. Um, however, it doesn't seem that you really want to make a lot of trades these days. Uh, Matt, what do you have to say about that?
2: Oh, yeah, it's good to have you on, Nathan. Uh, it's good to see you. But um, yeah, man, hopefully this conversation can spark some trades because I miss, I miss the old days of trades flying around the league and um, you pulling the trigger, myself pulling the trigger, Braden maybe pulling the trigger, whoever it might be. But um, yeah, man, good to have you on.
1: Thank you guys. Thank you for having me on. I'm uh really excited to talk some sports. Uh, so yeah, get right into it, Steven.
0: And uh, also because I think it's important to to let our listeners know what or what I guess perspective we're coming from. Nathan is an Ohio State fan, a Green Bay Packers fan. <laughs> a San Francisco Giants fan, and a Los Angeles Lakers fan. So his career as a sports fan, um, his winning percentage is uh, we did the math, it's actually uh, 687 as a career if you combine all four of his, his sports. Um, so not a lot of character building, as Andrew would say. I'm just kidding. I didn't actually do the math on that, but it's probably upwards. Not a lot years. of sports adversity
1: for sure. You know, I've been super blessed with, the sports teams that I grew up watching my favorite players. And, um, you know, it's been quite a sports
2: journey to say the least. It's been fun. <laughs> even- yeah. It's, it's nice when you can uh, pick and choose and kind of uh, decide which teams <laughs> you want to root for. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, even going back to your De La Salle, I mean, you barely lost any football games as a high school football player.
1: Yes, that that's, that's very true. I think I only lost about two or three games in high school. Um, so, you know, I think winning is something that I really grew accustomed to growing up. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, with, with your teams, it can get frustrating at times, but, you know, it's about just having fun and uh, enjoying every second of it. And finding the best teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Everyone likes to say that, I'm like a classic bandwagon fan, but when I really dive, dive deep inter, into my fandom, it makes sense. So um, a lot of You're, people kind of question that, and uh, I'm happy to clarify that. Uh, your fandom is definitely
2: definitely true uh, and tried and true to each team. It's just, as Stephen said, it's just a, a, a typical bandwagoner's team choices. So, <laughs> I personally respect your, your fandom.
0: Your, your loyalty is uh, is not in question, that's for sure. <laughs> um, all right, well, enough of that. Guys, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here with with two of our six fantasy football playoff guys, and and we're not going to talk too much about fantasy on this show. We just did one with uh, Commissioner Drew Paz. But, uh, Matt, you have just punched your ticket to the championship and uh, he looks like he'll be facing off against Bandler, who I know, Nathan, you've had a lot of run-ins with these last couple of years. Um, I don't know. What, what are your guys' thoughts on, on just kind of how everything unfolded?
2: I'm on to Cincinnati. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think I would say this fantasy football season has been kind of the war of attrition. You know, we've seen all these injuries. We've seen all these guys placed on COVID, And every week is very unpredictable. I think it's one of the most unpredictable seasons we've had in recent memory. If you do include last year, obviously there's a lot of guys with COVID, but I think it's a lot more rampant now these days with players because they're all hanging out, going to clubs, going to whatever, going out. And it seems like COVID has just really hit a lot of like prominent players harder than in previous memory. So I think that's the biggest takeaway is just, the war of attrition. So having a lot of great pickups throughout the season, knowing who's in and who's out every week. And I think that's been one of the keys to the playoff teams in particular.
0: It really has. It's it, it feels even worse than last year. You know, even though there were no fans and there were all the injuries and there was a lot of unknown, it feels even more unpredictable this year. And I know plenty of people, I've had, I, I got some, some texts from quite a few people that were like, gosh, like I just had, I had the best team all year, number one seed, and I got booted in the playoffs because of some stupid, you know, whether it was a lineup decision or Rex Burkhead going off, <laughs> um, like it just, it was so hard to predict. And so as a winner, if, if whoever wins, whichever league you're in, whoever wins this year, there's definitely a good amount of luck that, that went into it. Um, that does not to take away the strategy, of course, like I, you know, Matt, as as the number one point getter in the league, if you win, like, it's definitely right, like, there's no, we're not, we're not diminishing it, but it's just like March badness sometimes, it's like, if you're gonna win the tournament, you kind of have to catch a lot of breaks, um, you still have to be good, but you got to catch a lot of breaks, So that, that's kind of how I feel about it this year.
2: Yeah, I agree 100%, I mean, I think with the amount of health I've had this year, and then um being able to get the right handcuffs has been one thing I will say one thing um this past week Braden Rich if you're listening um I was able to pick up Justin Jackson on zero dollars spent in the free agency <laughs> bidding um so I will say that uh Braden Rich put a bid on him and then with their I think they have like 90 bucks or so and then if they put a bid on Ronald Jones they probably would have beat me this week so um I just wanted to, to point that out just uh as a as a token to uh, take away from that
1: yeah i would like to touch on kind of a key moment in your season i think was was the trade you made with with andrew uh that was a huge trade that allowed you to just have more depth and i think that depth is really showing even with those pickups i mean your team is is absolutely loaded and um it's a handful for any any opponent really
2: Yeah. Stephen pointed this out in the football podcast, but when, uh, I think for me, I think it was the Evans. I traded Evans and Chris Carson for Dalvin cook. And I think that's really what separated my year. If you, if you look at it, just getting away from a couple of guys who tend to get banged up and getting a guy like Dalvin is, um, super nice, but yeah, I mean, you got lucky with two trades really like trades. Can you flip a coin on most of them? And it kind of just depends how, how the cookie crumbles with injuries and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, so far, so far so good. We'll see how, how this thing wraps up, but it'll be a good matchup next week.
0: Yeah, that's very well, well said, both you guys. I was ranting to Matt earlier. Uh, it would be me uh, in the championship if uh, I went back to week three and I lost to Burt by like 11 points, and I had James Conner, Brandon Ayuk, and Zach Moss on my bench And I played Quintez Cephas. Remember, there was the hype of Lions. Quintez Cephas going to get all the targets. I played him, and he got me like 1.3 points. Meanwhile, if I had used any of those three guys, I would have beaten Bert. I would have beaten. I would have made the playoffs as a five seed. I would have beaten uh, whoever I would have played in the first round, which would, which uh, I guess whoever it was. And then I would have beaten Matt this week ah it's all right i think
2: i think matthew Barry over the years has screwed more people out of of fantasy losses than wins for sure
0: <laughs> it, it's like you said matt it's like one minute decision can can make the entire difference in fantasy football it,
1: yeah it, it, it's almost like the old saying in football it's a game of inches it's a game of inches in fantasy football too it's That's just point. like <laughs> if you have one guy who's on the bench that just goes off one week and you know can mess with your scoring total or your record or anything like that yeah it it, all it takes is is one pickup one stash one anything
0: it's a game of decimal points (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and and we got to move off of this topic here but uh boy uh fantasy basketball too what a what a mess these last couple weeks you can't nobody can do anything at this point
2: (laughs) to sit and wait game in fantasy basketball I mean you're pretty much just hoping your stars either have already had COVID or are getting it out of the way at this point yeah I think
1: it's the thinnest waiver wire we've we've ever seen because most guys on the waiver wire now are all on COVID and it's just it's an absolute mess like you said (laughs)
0: Unbelievable. All right. Well, this show, I want to talk a lot about, uh, you know, it's, shoot, it's week 16, and we've got two games left, and it's weird. I feel like when teams are nine and six, or whatever it is, I feel like, all right, there's one more game left, and and we're ready to go. You pretty much know the scenario, but but there's two weeks left uh, in this week. It just feels weird having 17 games. I don't know, but there's a lot of scenarios out there. A lot unfolded over this weekend. I want to kind of dive into some of the top storylines, and then I want to get some of your guys' hot takes on um, what you guys thought or what you guys think moving forward um, with the NFL playoffs around the corner. So, uh, Nathan, why don't you kick us off here, no pun intended, with uh, (laughs) your top story of the weekend.
1: My top story of the weekend would have to be the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Um, He has been just an unbelievable sensation out of LSU. I mean, going back to his Heisman days, um, we all know he's, he's had the talent, but um, he has the weapons and Jamar chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd um, Joe Mixon. It's just, it's amazing how, um, the Cincinnati Bengals have really turned the corner this year, and I think they're the front runners for the AFC North now. They've taken control of the division, and um, they're just one of those, those teams that uh, could probably make a deep run in the playoffs uh, if they fire on all cylinders. So I think that was my biggest takeaway on the weekend was Joe Burrow is becoming that elite kind of top 10 quarterback, and he's really making strides in his progression to become, you know, like the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers of the world. I think he, he definitely has that ability and might get there someday.
0: Yeah. That that's a great, I mean, to me, you have, we just don't see guys throw for 500 yards every day. And not only that, uh, the guy was 37 of 46. He had four touchdowns. The guy was unbelievable. and, and if, again, not to, to get back to fantasy, but shoot, if you had anybody on the Bengals last week, you know, with Burrow having a career career day, Joe Mixon's had an unbelievable season. I he, he scored rushing and receiving. You had Jamar Chase go off. You had Tyler Boyd get a touchdown. Like, man, the Bengals
1: were T Higgins. T. Higgins. Yeah, T Higgins. Just everyone was, you know, just clicking um, on Sunday, and they did it against a, a pretty good Ravens defense. So, you know, I think it goes to show that um, their offense is definitely elite.
0: They kind of, to me, they sort of just, they just were like, F y'all, we're going to, we're going to (laughs) go, we're going to shove it down your throat. We're going to throw all over the board. And, and uh, that has to sting if you're John Harbaugh. I don't know if he's ever lost two times in a season to Cincinnati. So, I mean, uh, that's, that was crazy to me. And obviously it's Josh Johnson, you know, it's, it's, it's tough when, you know, Lamar's out and, and then Huntley who was actually kind of playing. Okay. He was out. So it's tough, but I love, man, Josh Johnson, what a, what a guy. There's some, some nostalgia there. Just it's almost like the Josh McCown. He just kind of resurfaces. You didn't know he was still around. And then like, he, he shows you flashes, (laughs) but uh a tough loss for Baltimore somehow they're still in the playoff picture but I don't know you got anything on that Matt
2: not too much more there I mean I think it's impressive what Baltimore has been able to do with the amount of injuries they've had they might be on a record pace in terms of injuries but yeah the
1: most ACL tears in one year to running backs I mean yeah it's, it's just, yeah I mean I don't know what their practice methods are but Harbaugh has got to be doing something differently nowadays maybe do walkthroughs instead of hitting drills all the time,
0: but uh, no doubt uh, Cincinnati is for real. And they're definitely the driver in the driver's seat to win the division. So uh, we'll, we'll, elaborate more on, on the whole AFC North picture here very shortly. Um, Matt, what was your top storyline of the weekend?
2: I got two. I mean, number one, I think the chiefs really separated themselves as the, the top dog in AFC. I don't, I mean, I, with how good they've been looking on defense, I don't see anyone going into Kansas city and, taking a game from them, uh, especially in the AFC. But the one that kind of hurts me to say um, on the NFC side is I think the Cowboys are now the one beat to the Packers. I don't think there's a big discrepancy there. I mean, I think uh, as much as this sucks to say, I mean, the Cowboys, I don't, they don't have a weakness, um, especially after you see the, the offense get into shape a little bit, but um, Dak started rolling a little bit. That defense is the best Cowboys defense in my lifetime that I've seen. I mean, usually that's their weak point, but um, Parsons making a huge difference there. Um, they're finally healthy. I mean, I think they're probably one of the healthiest teams in the league right now besides uh, Pollard and Zeke, but man, the Cowboys don't have a weakness, guys. They're good.
1: They, they are to kind of bounce back off of what you were saying. Um, I de- definitely think the Cowboys have proven that you know, they're no fluke, um, especially if they have home field advantage in, in the playoffs at whether it's the one or two seed. Um, their defense is, is very good. They have the pass rushers. They have the secondary. I mean, Trevon Diggs, 11 interceptions this year. That's uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, now, one thing I'd say about the Cowboys is they have shown in recent in the recent past that um, they'll have playoff games where they don't perform nearly as well as they they do in the regular season. Um, So I think that's something to keep an eye on in terms of what, when they're facing a team like the Rams, the Buccaneers, can they do it in the playoffs when it really counts? Um, I think that's going to be kind of a difference maker in the playoffs per se with more experienced teams like the Packers and the Buccaneers and the Rams in the playoffs. I think that might play a factor
2: with the Cowboys uh, once they get in there. It's a totally – the thing for me, though, like, it's a totally different team. I mean, the only thing, uh the only difference yeah. there is that – They
1: have the, the balanced rushing attack of Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. So, you know, they keep te- teams honest with the pass and run. Um, I think one weakness they have that a lot of people have been pointing out is their head coach, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I would agree the with that. I the guy that, is, a, is, is a joke the on the time management. Yeah, schematically, you know – other teams have figured out kind of his processes and and how he operates. And sometimes he can be a little uh, misleading with just like, you know, clock management, when to take timeouts, when to take challenges. And, you know, um, I think good management overall of like the players and the entire coaching staff is something that falls on him. So, you know, that's also something that could be a detrimental factor for the Cowboys in the playoffs, um, especially in crunch time
0: there if there's one thing that a Packers fan will tell you it's that uh, Mike McCarthy uh, w- can either hurt you or well actually he can more than likely hurt you <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I mean you look at the amount of times that Aaron Rodgers you know kind of you know patched over some of those um, those cuts and bruises you know you, you can kind of see over the years from firsthand experience with just watching the Packers that um, sometimes Mike McCarthy was a little bit off um, which which made it frustrating
0: well yeah there, there's no doubt that you know in years past like we we give the Dallas media because let's just face it though everybody's on the Dallas bandwagon right now and so and, and every year that is the case but I'll give him some credit this year that all right like they actually are going to win the division like that's that's not a secret they're gonna go to the playoffs they have a good team it, those are not Fluky things. It's not a joke. Um, this is a good football team. Um, I, I mean, you can talk about Green Bay. You can talk about Tampa Bay. So, so that will be interesting. But um, no, they they made a statement here beating Washington. Granted, it's Washington. They're they're not like they're the Cowboys division sucks. So it's it's just I don't know how I, I want to give them credit, and I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Um, I, I think they're going to be. A decent playoff team this year, but we'll see. We're not going to talk about Super Bowl just yet.
2: <laughs> one thing, one thing I will say on the Cowboys is there's not a lot of teams in the league this year that has beaten everyone they're supposed to beat. You know what I mean? Like they haven't lost a game where it's been like, oh, they were supposed to. They were a six point favorite, six plus point favorite, and lost. Like um, it seems like every other team has kind of a dud loss, but the, the cow like. I've been trying to convince myself for like eight, nine weeks now that the Cowboys aren't legit, but they beat everyone they're supposed to be. And you can't blame them for beating people that are like beating the uh, football team and the Giants and the Eagles. Like you can't blame them for that. And they put the whooping on pretty much everyone they've been playing the last five weeks. And I was looking deeper into the statistics.
1: Um, sorry to cut you off there, Stephen, but um they are the number one scoring offense in the whole league, even though they've had some weeks that, you know, against the chiefs, they scored nine points um, against the, against the giants. They only had 21, but they have been consistently at the top each week in terms of like yards and, and all that in points. So that, that's definitely a good point.
0: There, There's what I was going to say is, to go eleven and four, you have to be a good football team. You you can't disguise it. Like you said, Matt, there's like if you are not a good football team, you will get exposed. You're not going to win eleven games as a fluke. I mean, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, but no, <laughs> they're, they're the true exception. <laughs> um, but I will counter your point just a little bit. They lost to the Broncos by two touchdowns earlier in the season at home. And they also lost at home to the Raiders on Thanksgiving, which we all know was a big, a big shootout. So those are, those are interesting things for me to look at. And obviously, you know, when you talk about teams that are better than you, I mean, the chiefs kind of, that was kind of a weird game, you know, a 19 to nine game. And and a, and a, both teams are really good offensively. So that was kind of a weird game, but um, so To me, just I look at they struggled against uh, the AFC West. I mean, they even barely beat the Chargers early on. So
2: but those are all decent football teams. Like the Broncos, when they're firing on all cylinders on offense, I mean, they're decent with how good their defense is. And the Raiders, we know, like, they they have a good offense. So, I mean, Chargers, they got Herbert, and that's all I have to say about that. Then they're always going to have a chance. So, I mean, it's not like they're losing to – like the Bills lost to the Jags or something like that. Um, they're losing to decent football teams, and when they're supposed to blow teams out, like the football team and um, well, and the Giants, they're they're putting a whooping on them. No,
1: no, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And like, I think the worst loss of the season this year would have to be the Cardinals losing to the Lions. That was a really bad loss. Uh, we all know that they're falling off right now, but. Um, that you're right they don't have a bad loss like you know like cardinals do or the packers do or the buccaneers so they've been very consistent throughout the year with that besides the broncos game
2: okay yeah, i think the cardinals are the this might pivot a little bit but the cardinals are looking like the Steelers of last year
1: they started seven and oh and they've been three and five since i mean yeah, yeah it's, they just
2: don't look like a good football team anymore
1: and i think they've been so reliant on kyler murray Um, Early on, he was very good, Um, but I don't think he's that true pocket passer, and teams are starting to figure out their offense a little bit, even with all those weapons, and look at DeAndre Hopkins. He's been out, like, for the last five weeks. I think without that true number one receiver, that's really hurt them, Um, and it's put a lot more pressure on their defense to get more stops, and uh, I think because of that, it's put a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray, and he hasn't even been healthy the entire year, so I think that's really impacted their three and five stretch but I don't think they're a upper echelon team now because of this fall
0: yeah yeah yeah, for sure those are good points there Uh, my top storyline of the weekend was definitely Matt Prater costing the uh, Cardinals the game no I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's the Chargers losing to the Texans and it it has to Mm. be to me that was a that was a big big statement from Houston. I, I heard the analogy on the radio today that uh, the Texans uh, haven't put their golf clubs in the trunk yet. Uh, they're 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 out there and they're playing the full 18. Uh, they you know they're gonna they've actually been kind of sharp these last few weeks. To three and three in their last six games, and uh, if you actually watch some of the game, the way that they just handed it to the Chargers and to, to Justin Herbert. To to throw, I mean the the tight. Uh, excuse me. The Texans won the turnover battle. I think they they cost uh, three turnover. It was a three zero turnover ratio, um, and uh, I mean obviously the Chargers didn't have Austin Eckler, and you know your, your Keenan Allen coming back from from COVID and all of that. But uh, that was a big statement. You have Davis Mills getting the job done with Rex Burkhead as your lead back. And your three receivers of Chris Conley, Brevin Jordan, and Philip Dorsett, like, like what? What is this? And so, the reason I point this out is, well, obviously it was a bad loss for the Chargers, and now their playoff hopes are in somewhat jeopardy. Uh, but the the Texans are coming into Levi Stadium next week, and now the Niners are without their could be without their quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, and. Um, D'Amico Ryan's is going to have a, a tall order to try to get this Niners defense in order because, uh, which it's a good thing because obviously you'd rather have the Texans blow up on somebody else than you. You don't want to take these guys lightly. So to me, that was the biggest story kind of Houston coming out of nowhere with Davis mills, uh, getting the job done against Justin Herbert. So that's my top story.
2: I got something for you guys on this topic. Uh, I think Davis Mills is the best quarterback in the class.
0: I was going to take that too, Matt. Damn.
2: I don't I – don't, I'm watching – I got to watch – because I'm, I'm here with COVID as well this week. I got to watch pretty much every game this weekend, and that guy's better than Mac Jones.
0: He is. 21 of 27, two touchdowns. Uh, shoot, in the last uh, three starts or three games, 73 of 106, uh, 794 yards and a five-to-one TD interception ratio with only four sacks. I mean, that's unbelievable. And he is, if you look at that sample size, he has outplayed Mac Jones the last few weeks. I mean, Mac Jones threw three passes one game, and New England lost the last two games. Yeah. And you look at everybody else in the class, Davis Mills, the eighth quarterback taken, and none of those guys have been impressive other than maybe Mac.
2: And he's – he's a guy who's actually building on it. Like he's putting a season together where it seems like every week he's getting a little bit better. And when you look at a guy, Wilson had a good running week this week, but that like, he's not a refined guy from the pocket yet. And you look at Lawrence, like I understand the Jaguars situation isn't ideal, but this guy's in Houston with Brandon cooks and a bunch of practice squad guys putting up decent numbers. And um, the Jaguars offense isn't, isn't as bad as in terms of weapons. Like they, they got a few guys over there, and I, I I watched the game this weekend, and I I mean I might be an overreaction, but I mean I think Davis Mills is the best guy in this class. That
1: that's a pretty bold statement. I, I would say that I think some of those other quarterbacks, um, and especially in the first round, I think a lot of them kind of just need more time to develop. Um, classic example is Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I mean those guys far none, bar none, the best two co- college quarterbacks um, coming out of the draft last year. Um, I think some of those guys just need some more seasoning, really. Um, they need more guys around them. They need offensive lines. Um, but Davis Mills, no doubt, I think he's a potential, you know, quarterback that could be very solid in the in the league for years to come. Um, so he's definitely a steal for the Texans.
0: Third-round quarterback out of Stanford. And um, I, I think he, uh, he really actually could be the best one. And it's, it's really good for, for Houston because they don't have to worry necessarily about drafting one next year. So you give this guy a little bit more time to develop and, and they, they really could have something with Davis Mills. So I'm, I'm excited. Houston
2: could, Houston could trade down, get a few guys in the trenches and start building that thing. I mean, um, he kind of reminds me of Der- uh, yeah, Derek Carr, just the way he plays. Second round, third round guy, pretty yeah. decent comp
0: there. Yeah, no, for sure. So, good, good take there. I was going to roll with that one, but I, I, I do have another take. We'll, we'll get to in a second. Um, but Nathan, you have a hot take for us. Um, what do, you, what do you have from the the last weekend here?
1: Well, uh, I would say another hot take for me, um, just coming out of this weekend, is the amount of parity in the NFL this year. I mean, maybe COVID had a lot to do with it, but if you look at the, the playoff teams in the AFC, I mean, 13 out of the 16 playoff teams are still not eliminated from playoff contention. I mean, that, that's, to me, um, it speaks to kind of how there's so many middle-of-the-pack teams that could easily make the playoffs. Whereas in the NFC, you look at it, you have the top-tier teams that have kind of separated themselves from the lower-pack. And uh, I think that's a big hot take that I have um, in terms of just how the seasons played out is I thought a lot of those upper teams would kind of separate themselves in the AFC. But we've seen teams like the Bills, the Ravens kind of struggle, uh, even though they're expected to be a little bit better this year. But I think that was one of my hot takes is just how competitive it's been all the way to the end. A uh, classic example is the AFC North. I think it's like the latest that it's ever been, with four teams still in it f- to win the division. Um, so that, to me, kind of speaks volumes to how the parity in the NFL is at its highest than it's ever that it's
2: ever been before. I got one for you guys. I think the Colts are the only team in the AFC that can take down the chiefs.
0: Hmm.
2: I think they got the deepest roster. I mean, you, you look at a team that can run the ball like they can. I, that's the, the, to me in the playoffs, I feel like that's the only way to beat Mahomes and Andy Reid and all those weapons is to keep the ball away from them. We saw Buffalo were, was able to do it earlier in the year um, and kind of just beat down on them. But um, I just, I don't see that working in the playoffs. And I, I think Indy's style of ball and the way Wentz has kind of actually turned himself into more of a game manager instead of a – he's still got his little reckless twinge up up his sleeve, but I think he's kind of uh, rallied it in and become that perfect game manager that a team like the Colts needs. If Wentz turns into more of an Alex Smith, I think the Indianapolis Colts have a good chance of seeing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship.
0: It it certainly looks like it right now is – the Colts have kind of quietly been, I guess, bettering themselves every week, and the AFC picture is is a little bit interesting, right? I mean, because New England and Buffalo are sort of trading blows for that division lead, and uh, the rest of you know we what we're going to talk about the Titans a little bit here in just a minute. Uh, but you're right; it's like the Chiefs kind of look like the only team at the top. And so the Colts and the Colts are kind of the hottest of that bunch. So I could definitely see that.
2: Yeah, I think the Pats kind of sunk their ship this week. Um, Joe Burrow had a coming out party like we were talking about earlier, but past that, man, I I just don't see a team keeping up offensively with the Chiefs, especially with how their defense is playing right now without being able to run the football consistently.
1: They've definitely figured out things defensively with Chiefs. I mean, earlier in the season, they were one of the worst defenses in the league, and, and it seems like Steve Spagnuolo and crew has really like made some adjustments throughout the season, and it's it's showing. I mean, they're they've won eight in a row. Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, looking like himself. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill not playing, and Travis Kelsey not playing because of COVID. It's just it's amazing what what they can do um, from a weapons standpoint on offense. I feel like. Patrick Mahomes makes everyone better, and they're definitely the top team in the AFC, no doubt.
0: Who, I mean, I know we just would just raved about Joe Burrow and the Bengals, um, and they are the frontrunners to win the division right now. Uh, does Baltimore or Pittsburgh still make the playoffs?
1: It just, I think it just depends on how the wild card. Plays out. I mean, you have all these wild card teams vying for two spots, and or sorry, three spots, and you still have teams like the Dolphins in it. You you've got the Raiders and Chargers. Uh, even the Broncos are technically still in it. So, I I think the AFC North could get four, three teams in, uh, but it's going to be just coming down to the wire with these last couple of games. It's it's going to be interesting.
0: Well, I, I got one for you. I, I think uh, I think the Raiders make the playoffs, and they wow. actually, they actually control their own destiny because they're gonna get to play Indy this next week. This could be the game of the year. Um, if they beat Indy, they'll have the tiebreaker over Indy, and then they'll get they'll get the Chargers in the last week of the season. And if they beat them, then they'll have the tiebreaker over everybody in that lump. They've already beaten Pittsburgh. They've beaten. Browns, they've beaten the Ravens, they've beaten Denver. And so, I mean, the whole Buffalo thing doesn't really matter. The New England Buffalo, they're going to get a spot anyway. Uh, but the Raiders are actually in a prime prime position with the way that the Ravens have fallen off. I think they've been absolutely disgusting. I know they've, they've been banged up with injuries, but I think they're atrocious right now. And the rape, the, the Raiders have uh, <laughs> granted they've only scored like an average of maybe 13 points the last four weeks they, their offense has been abysmal for the basically the entirety of the season but they're finding ways to stay in games and and it's it's pro bowlers like Perriman and and Crosby on their team that have are really creating havoc for some of these offenses and shoot they they should have lost against Denver I mean they they had three costly turnovers they had a, a minus three turnover differential and they still hung on. I, I don't think Denver's very good. I think they have a good defense, you know, big Fangio led defense, but Denver's not very good. And um, they, they should have beaten the Raiders, but I don't know. I, uh, I really like what I'm seeing from from Derek Carr grinding out these victories and I don't, they don't have much, they don't have much yet. They're eight and seven. So to me, that, that tells me something because early on I was like, all right, the Raiders—they're terrible. I mean, they—they they went on a stretch of losing five of six. Like they shouldn't have lost to the Giants. They got their asses handed to them twice by the Chiefs. They got their ass handed to them by the Bengals, and they should have beaten Washington. I'm like, all right, this this team's a joke. And they've actually kind of flipped my five perspective here. I, I keep—I was like, I would have never guessed the Niners and Raiders would both be eight and seven. So, uh, I'm excited to see how that unfolds. But I got the Raiders in the playoffs.
2: I got the Chargers. Um, I don't see the Raiders beating the Colts and the Chargers. I just, I, I think, I,
1: I, Yeah, I, I think you're right, Matt. I, I think they've been living life on the edge uh, a little bit too much this season, um, you know.
0: They have to beat one of them, and I, and I think they still have a shot. Uh, if they beat two, they're clinch, but if they I, beat one, they, they still could get in.
2: I just see, I see the Chargers winning out. I don't see them losing to the Broncos, and I see them – winning a close one over the raiders but i will say steven this might be a conversation for the offseason but this does show Carr's value and how good of a year he's having and how good of a player he is um because the raiders are a dumpster fire and that guy is single-handedly carrying that roster no waller um he's playing with
0: number one receiver, true number one receiver yeah
2: he's playing with hunter renfro and jay jones right now yeah yeah impressive um but i think i think the chargers fire is too much um if someone could just convince freaking brandon staley to kick a field goal every once in a while that would be fantastic for the chargers chances because if he just if he kicks one field goal in that Chiefs game they win
0: i mean that was that was terrible we, we talked about that in our group text of like why are you not collecting points at the end of the half
2: makes zero sense and i i mean i get the analytics saying that if over the long haul of the season but you're at the end of this at the end of your drive uh, end of the half and you're playing the chiefs and you have a chance to go up by a full score i just i don't understand that um so that's my one worry about the chargers is too analytical because we've seen that in different sports especially baseball and uh with the rockets and the nba just people only relying on analytics analytics is a big part of it but i think only re- relying on analytics can get you in a lot of trouble, especially when you're coaching these high-pressure games. And it's not just you're not just going off the numbers; you're playing the game on the field.
0: And I, I agree with you. And I'm a big analytics guy, but there there's like when it's Aaron Rodgers, when it's Tom Brady, you know, when it's when it's these big name dudes, Mahomes. You you you, you kind of have to sort of there, there's a different way to go about it because. These guys can score within 37 seconds, as we've seen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I want to talk about the events that unfolded Thursday night and the breaking news that we're just getting with the 49ers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy GQ, could be out with a sprained slash fractured thumb. Uh, I have a lot of questions about this and I'll get your guys' take before I roll, but uh, have we seen his last snap as a 49er that is the big question. And um, does Trey Lance, if that's the case, does Trey Lance have what it takes to secure a playoff berth for these guys? And, uh, and, and yeah, let's start with those two questions.
2: I can start this one off. I think I, they answer your first question, I hope so um, if it's broken, if he's helping, he's able to go, um, to answer your second question. I think Jimmy is slightly better option this year than Trey. Um, if it's broken, I'm done with Jimmy being injured. I'm just, I'm done with it. The guy gets hurt. Like it's his job. He's missed. It's going to be at the end of this year, almost 50% of his games in the 40, in, as a 49er. So, um, I'm done. I'm done with his injuries. I'm done with, um, having to deal with it. To answer your question on Trey, uh, I don't know, man. He looked, he did not look great when he came in as a thrower. Um, so they're probably going to have to rely heavily on the, the power runs and the the zone zone read type schemes to, to get them through games. And um, just by the way, Shanahan was calling plays when Trey was in the game. I just, I don't think he has trust in him as a thrower yet. Um, I don't think he knows uh, the reads and going through the defenses as well as he could yet. Um, so, I mean, I don't think I think if they make the playoffs with Trey as the starter, I don't see them winning more than more than uh, getting into the playoffs. I think they'd be one and done. So um, I think Trey is good enough to get them to the playoffs, but I don't think he has a chance of winning a game. Um, if Jimmy's in and he's healthy, they're pretty dangerous um, until he gets his uh, his interception hair up his nose.
1: Yeah, to go off the 49ers, um, I think – what will save them uh, without Jimmy Garoppolo is that running game and and that pass rush. Um, I think those are the ways that they can win games, especially against a team like the Houston Texans. Uh, They could really get after the quarterback with Bosa and all those defensive ends. But um, yeah, in terms of making a playoff run, it's going to be really difficult um, hill to climb without Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, I do think, they will get there. It's just a matter of what, what. What are they going to do when they get to the playoffs? Because they'll have to face teams like the Cowboys and the Rams, which they've they've shown that with a running game and a pass rush, you can beat teams like the Rams to be able to play keep away. To your point earlier, and to to be able to play great defense, they they do have the capabilities of pulling off an upset. But it's going to be like you said, it's going to be tough with a first year quarterback going on the road. Um, in a tough road environment like you know like Green Bay or Dallas or going into LA it's going to be uh, definitely tough for uh, Trey Lance to to try and adjust and um, he's not an established passer yet Uh, they're they're going to run a lot of run option uh, read option plays like you said and uh, it'll be interesting to see the development of Trey Lance but I do think that we have seen the last snap from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's done for the year. And I think the Niners are going to move on from him um, based off of, you know, like you said, like the injury history is, is pretty prevalent each year. Um, he can't really stay off the injury bug, but I still think he's a, you know, middle tier quarterback for any team that's, that's looking for a quarterback. Uh, I was going to kind of allude to the Seahawks here for a sec uh, with Russell Wilson I think he's going to get traded to the saints in the off season. Mm.
0: Well,
2: even what are your thoughts? And I'll touch on the Russell Wilson talk.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll hold on the Russell Wilson stuff. Um, which by the way, of course they, they can't freaking beat the bears, but yet we can beat, we can't beat Seattle. I just does not make sense to me. Uh, this is if if just to you guys' points if the play if the playoffs or if the season ended today the Niners would have to go into L.A. and play the Rams. We're actually going to get that preview here in two weeks after uh, they play the Texans this next week, and then they'll end the season in L.A. against the Rams with potentially the season on the line. Uh, realistically, the Niners probably only have to win one of these two games, and they will get in just because the NFC is pretty weak outside of those, those front four teams. Uh, you know, obviously Atlanta and Minnesota are seven and eight, but the Niners have the tiebreakers over both of those teams. And uh, we have the tiebreaker over Philly and the, and then uh, the saints, if Miami holds on, which that's a whole nother thing uh, about two, if Miami holds on this Monday night game there, that would mean they've won seven in a row and they're still in the thick of it. And uh, the Saints would also be seven and eight. So the Niners really probably have to win one game to get in. So that does change the, the discussion about, okay, can Trey Lance be good enough just to beat Houston, right? Um, yeah, probably, um, because they don't necessarily need to rely on, on Trey Lance solely. Like you said, Nathan, the, that pass rush and that run game might be good enough to get them into the playoffs. I'm not concerned about the playoffs right now. Um, what I'm concerned about is just the, the whole situation. And what I mean by that is the reports are saying that Jimmy Jimmy hurt his thumb in the second quarter. Now, let's keep in mind the Niners' whole offense fell off after the, that first drive of the game. Uh, so it just progressively got worse. It seemed like he was missing more throws. I'm like, how are you missing Brandon Ayuk? He's five yards away from you. Um, you know, I guess we now have an answer. It was the thumb. But here's the problem I have is he continued to throw the ball. And I don't know if that was him or if it was Shanahan because Shanahan apparently knew about the injury in the second quarter. And I, I bet you the medical staff was like, yeah, he can probably play through it. And which is why he hasn't officially been ruled out yet. Um, and Shanahan was like, all right, let's leave him in. And again, that just goes to show you that Trey Lance is not, is not anywhere close to being ready to take this team. Um, but I, I have an issue with the Niners throwing the ball 35 times, especially if Jimmy's thumb is hurt. Why, why did they get away from the run game? You know, Jeff Wilson was, was playing fine, and, and I'm, I'm not, I don't have the exact numbers, but I'm looking at when Jimmy throws more than 30 passes in a game. Uh, The Niners have a losing record, Um, and that is Jimmy is best when he throws his, you know, between 22 and 26 passes. Like that's that's when he's ideal, when he's controlling the game. And I know we were sort of popping off in the the group text about how pissed we were about Jimmy's decision making against the Titans and how the Niners completely dropped that game, et cetera, et cetera. But the injury sort of helps explain some of that on the, on the opposite side of it. Um, I, I kind of want Trey Lance to come in and I just want everybody to all the people who are on the Trey Lance bandwagon. I want them all to finally basically shut up and say it because Trey Lance is is not going to be good. He I'm, I'm saying it now he's a bust. And I know you need like two or three, three years to, to say that. Uh, but Trey Lance is a bust. Um, it's, it's just not happening. And, uh, People are going to regret that they ever wanted Jimmy out, because I'm going to bat for Jimmy. He's been fantastic when he's on the field, and I know the injuries are the injuries, but we don't give this guy enough credit. I mean, the Niners—he basically brought the Niners' season out of the gutter. They were do—they were doomed, and somehow they got their act together. And, and Jimmy has quietly put together a respectable season: 3,400 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, like. He, he, we just we don't give him enough credit. That's a ninety nine point six rating, which I don't have the ranking on top of me, but ninety nine point six is pretty damn good for a guy. Yeah,
2: Dak's at 98, 97
0: Exactly, and and so we don't give this guy enough credit. He, uh not to mention his character. You know, this is a guy that could have been Aaron Rodgers, and it got all pissy about them drafting Jordan Love, but he didn't. And I, and I, I'm, <laughs> I know how you feel about that, Nathan, but. It's true. Jimmy is not, he's, he was. Uh, he kept a squeaky clean, uh, tenure. You, you know, he didn't say anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, he did a porn star. And that's, that's, that's his on his own. <laughs> that's belief. his only, that's his only <laughs> issue
1: with that. Yeah. That he's makes a whole saying, lot of sense.
0: It doesn't necessarily mean it's an issue. You can disagree with it, but <laughs> it's, it's not like it, it's not like it affected him. You know, it's not like it affected his play on the field. And so, uh, Gosh, I, I am grateful for Jimmy Garoppolo because, you know, he's the first guy that we've had that uh, we could, we could, uh, I don't know if that's safe to say. I, I just, I felt with Kaepernick, it, it, once he got figured out, that was it. But Jimmy's not a guy that, you, it's not like you figure out Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, like he's good. You know what you're going to get, he's going to be decent. Uh, and I think he's a little bit better version than Alex Smith, to be honest with you. I mean, Alex Smith uh, stayed on the field. But uh, when Jimmy is operational, uh, he is he he very good. He's underrated at doing the little things. And people don't recognize how hard it is to be a successful quarterback in the NFL and to, to lead a banged-up offense. I mean, gosh, the Niners have had an, an enormous list of injuries, and Jimmy has triumphed over all of that. So for all the people that are, that are saying, you know, ooh, Trey Lance? let's go Trey, like, you guys are going to regret it. Because even though the Niners could still squeak into the playoffs, um, they ain't going anywhere without Jimmy Garoppolo, um, and it's going to be a couple years before we figure out that uh, oh crap, we got to draft another quarterback. And uh, uh, it's just it's frustrating. That's my that's my like hot and bothered uh, take of the evening. Is uh, we don't give Jimmy enough credit, and I'm really it really hurts that we're losing him.
2: I. I'll say one thing, Stephen. I agree with a lot of what you're saying because you look at the Niners with Jimmy and without Jimmy. And yeah, I mean, it's been night and day since he's gotten here. But the biggest thing in the NFL is if you're available. If you're not available, your best ability is your availability. And I I just don't – when you're a guy who plays 60% of the games that the Niners play, you're putting your team in there with a backup quarterback. That's my biggest knock on Jimmy as well as the wild hair he gets every once in a while. I mean, he's kind of – like – as much as i want to like jimmy i like jimmy was my guy when they got him but as soon as they as soon as things get to a point in the ball game you're what you start thinking as a fan like when is he gonna throw a pick or when is he gonna get strip sacked it's like when are these bad things gonna happen and um i just don't have full confidence in him and if you're gonna go up and mortgage what was it three first round picks for Trey lance i i I don't see why how you can't see what he's gonna hit. And I agree with you. I don't think he's gonna be that great. Like I said, he he's not a polished thrower. He looked really spotty when he played. But I don't see I, I just I don't see Jimmy being a guy that's gonna lead you to multiple Super Bowls. I think he's good enough to get you there if everything is lined up perfectly. Um, but man, you give up that much for Trey Lance and you gotta plan. You gotta see what you got.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Going off that point, Matt, um, you know classic example is 2019, you know, the Niners had the most talented roster in the league. You have Jimmy G running the show and he was basically just playing, playing safe per se. You know, he was a game manager, someone that makes good throws, makes good reads. He needs to be in that type of system to allow him to succeed. And the Niners have not had that elite quarterback to get them over the top. Um, They'll probably be kicking themselves for the next, you know, Ten plus years for not drafting Aaron Rodgers back in two thousand five. I mean, that's a classic oh. example. I um, mean,
2: shit. Everyone kicking. All twenty three teams that passed on them are pissed off. Like, that's a horrible example. But go on.
1: So my point is, is that if they did have an elite quarterback, going back to let's say like Steve Young, that's the last true elite quarterback they've had that had led them to a Super uh,
0: Jeff Bowl. Garcia, come on. <laughs> and, and,
1: and so I, I think for the Niners. That's the difference between them and uh, losing a Super Bowl and winning multiple Super Bowls. You know, if they have that guy, you know, let's say they have a guy like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, whew, they could easily win, you know, two,
2: three in a row. You know, with- the one thing I will say on that is that there's only two or three, like, there's probably four or five guys in the league right now that can be that carry the weight of the franchise on their shoulders type guy. And you don't need that to win a Super Bowl with the Niners roster. They should be a Super Bowl contender. And I mean, I think. Jimmy has done a good enough job when he's available, but the guy gets hurt almost every season. And for me, that's just a complete deal breaker. You're a quarterback. You don't get touched in practice. You hardly get touched in the games anymore and the guy can't stay on the field. He like, I, I just don't understand it.
1: Yeah. I'm, it, but I, I think going back to what Steven was saying, he, he has been consistent. Uh, you know, he, he's not someone that's kind of like a lower tier quarterback, Um, And I think in his career, it's just been unfortunate that, you know, he's had a bunch of injuries, but that's just a part of the game. And, um, you know, some quarterbacks just can't stay healthy and Garoppolo is just just one of a few that can't. So when he's available, like Stephen was alluding to, I think the Niners, you know, are legit, you know, top four team in the NFC um, and, and can, you know, definitely make a run at the Super Bowl. Uh, with with the roster that they have and when everyone's available, like Debo Samuel and George Kittle and and everyone's in, involved. If the Steelers are
0: smart, they trade for Jimmy, and it's the Steelers will go to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo next year.
2: I mean, the- I think if you put Jimmy in Cleveland too, Steven, I think that would be a, a good fit right. for him. Sure.
1: Yeah, or, or you you put him on the Saints. Uh, that might be a good fit. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you put him in Green Bay. I mean, it, that works too. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's not a good trade. too ahead of ourselves here. Yeah,
0: uh,
2: that's a good trade right there.
0: But, but what I, I'm saying, well, because LaFleur and Shanahan, they're kind of similar. I don't know if, it, if they're schematically similar or just because they look the same. They're good-looking 40-year-old dudes. But um, <laughs> to your point, Nathan, like, I think it's more of not necessarily, oh, like, you know, they should have drafted Aaron Rodgers. I think it's more of like, well – they should have drafted maybe Mac Jones at nine or eight or whatever the Miami pick was.
2: David Mills
0: or Davis Mills is our new guy. He he's going to outplay Trey Lance too. Um, I mean, chew the way that Trevor Lawrence is leading the tied for the league leading interceptions, I believe. Um,
1: so it, yeah, it, it's a lot of high risk, high reward quarterbacks that were drafted this this year. A lot of guys that showed a ton of flash, Absolutely. but it's a matter of just putting it all together and being in the right scheme. I think that was kind of difficult for the Niners to be like, okay, which guy do we really want? You know, they had to evaluate maybe four, five, six guys, and they decided to go with Trey Lance. So I think that was kind of, you know, it's kind of like a toss up really.
0: Well, and I think part of the reason they went with Trey and not Mac was because they knew they had Jimmy and they, they, they said, you know what? We can still win with Jimmy. And so we are going to, kind of make that investment with trey because we don't need him to be the guy right away and so i think they looked at that and they not a lot of teams have that luxury of saying you know what we have a good quarterback let's let's do it and uh and it didn't backfire um i i I mean in terms of like the whole aaron Rodgers jordan love thing it didn't backfire like that jimmy went about his business and uh and he's been he's been great so uh yeah, we can, we can put that topic to bed for a minute. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm very nervous for the next two weeks if, if Trey Lance is our starter. And, you know, he, he may be able to get out of Houston alive, or I guess, well, Houston coming into Levi's. He may be able to get out of that game alive um, because I think D'Amico Ryans is, is going to have a plan for his former team. Uh, he's a Pro Bowler with the Texans. But uh, I don't think they're going to beat the Rams with Trey Lance. If, that, if that's the case, and they, they probably get in as a five or six seed just based on the NFC just being pretty weak, and they're probably going to get their asses handed to them at some point because Trey Lance is just not – he's just not there, and I don't need to see much game footage to, to figure that out.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can kind of tell when you're looking at kind of an eye test type of thing with guys, and you see Trey, when he played against the Cardinals, he was throwing the ball – on these check downs and these shallow crosses as hard as he could. And like you can just see touch. And I think that was kind of the biggest thing for me in terms of an eye test is like, this guy doesn't have touch. He has no feel on some of those deep balls. Um, the guy can rip a quick slant in there pretty good and throw it, throw a nice little firm one in there. But um, you're talking about arm talent. There's more than just how hard and how far you could throw it to be a good uh, NFL quarterback.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. All right. Well, I skeptical
2: Niners fans.
0: I'm I'm a I'm a disgruntled Niners fan. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm frustrated that we couldn't beat freaking Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> that was a that was a joke.
1: It's complete.
2: Joke. I just don't. Yeah, with how good they were running it, that was bad.
1: Let's not forget Tennessee. I mean, they they do have a lot of depth. They they've shown throughout the season, season even without Derrick Henry, that they can still, you know, play these you know middle tier teams and and still hold their own. So. I think, yeah, like you said, that the Niners offense sputtered in that Thursday night game. Um, and major reason why it was, a, was because of that thumb for Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, I, I think the Niners definitely have kind of had that, their ups and downs. But, yeah, to your point, I, I think keeping Jimmy Garoppolo kind of makes the most sense. Um, you know, it's a tricky situation. Same thing with what happened with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. You know, he's pissed off that he got drafted threatens to hold out, doing all these things. Um, But it'll be interesting to see kind of the off-season storyline with Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Yeah, and and, Jimmy
2: G and Aaron are on different planets in terms of of quarterback play. In In terms of quarterback, but
1: in terms of, you know, them drafting the successor, you know, that storyline is, you know, what kind of is really intriguing is, you know, when is Trey Lance going to, get free wing to be the, the the starting quarterback for the 49ers. And to your point, he's not ready right now. And it, it shows in the confidence of, that Shanahan has in him, which is very low.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, at this point, I think we've mortgaged everything. So it's not like we moved up four picks and gave up one draft pick for him. We gave up three first-rounders for this guy. So let's throw him out there and see what he's got.
0: We the Rams.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Straight every pick. Um, and, and Vrabel's a good coach too, so we don't give the Titans enough credit. The I mean, Tannehill, whatever, but but Vrabel's actually a good coach. Um,
2: yeah, so, what a good job him and Harbaugh have done this year.
0: Um, I I and, and speaking of Harbaugh, I feel like the Niners are are we're back in the Harbaugh days of you dra- you just put this perfect first drive together. It looks beautiful. All these little tricks and gadgets and like wow, that was seamless. And then you think the Niners are going to score like four touchdowns and then like something bad happens. They settle for a field goal and then it just goes all down for it from there. Uh, It felt too much like a hard ball game to me.
2: Perfectly said. Yeah. I mean, when the Niners score and they have these long drives and they're moving the ball every play, it looks like they're one of the best teams in the league. And then next play you see a a fluttery pass over the middle high to the safety. Um, But I digress.
0: Well, we're, we're coming down to the wire here, but Nathan, you mentioned something about Russell Wilson potentially being traded to the Saints. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously Russell Wilson has been very frustrated over the years with the lack of the front office, getting him offensive line help. We've seen, he's had tons of weapons, you know, guys like Marshall, uh, DK Medcalf, um Tyler Lockett I mean they're drafting guys offensively but their offensive line has always been questionable which is why he's been kind of getting beat up over the years hence why he's he got an injury this year um that was kind of a fluky thing uh but I think the Saints are a reasonable choice for Russell Wilson um I think he needs to find a new home I think even when he came back from his injury, he just kind of looked anemic. You know, he didn't really have that same inner drive that he had in his early years with Seattle. And I think that's starting to wear on him. And I think he knows it. He, I think it's his last season with the Seahawks. And I could see a team like the Saints or the Broncos in the offseason saying, hey, we could get a perennial pro bowler like Russell Wilson. Why not? I mean, this guy, I think, still has the talent, the capability to – be one of those you know top 10 quarterbacks like he has been for the past you know five six years so um i think seattle is the wrong situation for him right now i think they're on a steady decline uh, based on the fact that Pete carroll is is getting a little bit older Um, they have guys that are a little bit older on their roster they're a little bit more they're a little bit more veterans on that roster that i feel like don't really suit Russell Wilson and his game going forward. Uh, They don't have the same running game that they used to with Marshawn Lynch. And I think a big part of their success was being balanced and having that ability to have play action fakes and getting Russell Wilson outside of the pocket, you know, his Houdini plays where he somehow magically escapes everybody. Uh, So I think the saints Broncos, maybe a team like the Steelers, but I think this is the last that we've seen of Russell
2: Wilson in Seattle. And if I'm the Seahawks uh, there, I would rather sell the team than trade Russell Wilson. I don't think you can move. Russell is a top five quarterback in the league. And I don't think there's a chance in hell I'm trading him. I would, if I was the Seahawks, I would clean everything else out. I would get a new GM. I'd get rid of Pete Carroll. Um, but you can't trade a guy like Russell at the end of the day, he's what? 31, 32. He's got probably 10 plus years left of good quarterback play and, with how he takes care of himself man. there's zero chance i'm trading russell wilson i like zero chance the guy when it's all said and done is probably going to be a top five quarterback ever in my opinion um and i just wow
1: that's 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 pretty bold you mean top five overall like in nfl history
2: putting in him nfl up, history the greats yeah when it's all said and done i mean the track re- record he's on and um with the amount of talent he has I there's zero chance I'd trade Russell Wilson and um who are you going to get if you trade him like you trade him to the Saints you get some draft picks you're going to draft Kenny Pickett and he's going to save your franchise you're going to like I mean there's just there's no guarantees now in these draft picks I mean everyone says that you can just move off guys but there's a reason why the Texans haven't traded Deshaun because with all the crap he's had off the field you can't find a guy to replace him so I I the only way I would possibly trade him if I was Seattle is if I'm getting a guy like Aaron Rodgers back. That's the only chance I would trade him for. But So it can't...
1: could be like a, like a Rams-Lions trade where they could just swap quarterbacks, essentially. So, you know, what if you look at a team like the Raiders, Derek Carr? Um, that could be a possible fit there. You trade Derek Carr to Seattle, then the Raiders get Russell Wilson in return. That could be a definitely a possibility
2: not a bad deal. I mean, I just I don't think NFL teams trade quarterback like all the, the last what three years. Now we've had all these quarterback rumors and the only time people have left is in free agency. And um, I I just I don't see the Seahawks trading. If they trade Russell Wilson, it would probably be the biggest mistake in NFL history. Like look at Drew Brees. I mean, he wasn't even uh, on nearly the trajectory of Russell Wilson. and That ended up being horrible that this Chargers didn't sign him. So I, I don't see I would personally would never move Russell Wilson coming from a team like the Niners who are in the one quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender you the odds of you finding a replacement are slim so that's my my stance on it
1: yeah yeah it's just, it, i mean it's the same thing that's going on with the Packers i mean you have an unhappy Aaron Rodgers and they they never want to trade this guy i mean you can't trade franchise QBs ever really why the
2: hell do they drive jordan love but steven i want to hear what you have to say about this
0: it's more of just the biggest problem with it is is that there's just nobody that the the market's going to be very thin next year you know between free agency and the draft between your matt matt coral and kenny pickett like there's really there's just nobody good to go around that that's like oh he's he's the he's who's going to be lauded as the next big thing there's no term of lawrence in the next draft so um i I think
2: even that's not a guarantee
0: yeah exactly i mean that that's that's the biggest problem is the is the market and that's why i think teams are going to be after jimmy because he's going to be the biggest name that's easily available right russell wilson may not be as easily available Uh, he may want to be out of there but he might have to wait another year uh i'd and I think he has a, f- a some a clause that he has a few teams that he doesn't want to get traded to.
2: So, yeah, he has a no trade clause.
0: So okay. that that could depend on it. Um, I, I, shoot, I think the Saints are a great fit, like you said, Nathan. I, I think that's a great team. I think uh, he could thrive there with uh, under Sean Payton. It's it just it's just kind of hard for me to to see it uh, at least right now. I, I think it might. I think. You're right, Matt. You never want to trade a guy like Russell Wilson because you're going to regret it down the line. He's that to me. I think he's that great of a player. He's not done. He's not. He had He's having a rough season, but he's not done. Um, he, he's going to be good for a, a few years. So I think it's just uh, one of those years where he's going to chalk it up and, and he'll be better next year.
2: What, what would you guys trade for Russell Wilson? If I'm the Niners, let's say hypothetically, I would give up Bosa and the rest of my first round picks for the next 10 years for Russell Wilson. I'm not even kidding. i will give up Bosa, Lance, and the rest of my first oh, wait, round Wait, hold fight. up, hold up. Swear to God.
1: I, I think in terms of the value of Russell Wilson, I think that's a little bit higher than what teams would – be willing to give up. I mean
2: why though? If you don't have a quarterback, you don't win Super Bowls. And if you're willing to give up, you can find a linebacker in the second round. You can find a running back in the sixth. round. Right. Room. It's
1: harder to there's, find the franchise QBs. You're right. Long term 10
2: quarterbacks harder. in this league that you can win a win a Super Bowl with 10 to 15, let's say like you have to have everything else perfect on a yep. good contract yep. to even have a chance with any of the top 15, 20 guys.
0: What I don't understand is people basically apparently people are saying that the Niners had a chance to get Tom Brady or the Niners had a chance to get Aaron Rodgers like if you have a chance to get a bona fide hall of fame quarterback not just a hall of fame quarterback but a top 10 hall of fame quarterback like of all time uh, I don't know why you don't trade I don't know why you, you get so caught up in Oh, you know, we, we got to. Oh, it's going to, you know, he's going to be good for three years and then he's going to be done. Like, well, like, don't you take that risk?
2: I mean, look at Peyton. Look at Peyton in the Broncos. They got the two Super Bowls. And like, I, I just don't get You have a chance to get a guy like that, you go get him. And it doesn't, I don't care how old he is. You no, go we're get him.
0: Draft Trey Lance. Yeah, Trey Lance is the future, baby. No, oh, it's ridiculous. All right. Well, that, that's going to about do it on our timing here. Uh, and for the record, Garoppolo has a confirmed thumb UCL tear and fracture, which we know for any baseball player, that's a nightmare injury. So for a quarterback, it's probably pretty, pretty bad injury as well.
2: Um, so. That's what, uh, that's what Breeze had a few years ago.
0: Mm. So we'll see what they end up doing. If it's something that they can just tape. He's up. probably
2: done for the season.
0: I, yeah. I, I don't yeah, see. I think
2: it. it's six weeks at least.
0: It's a typical four to six week injury, apparently for uh, for a quarterback. Uh, so, oh boy, we're gonna see what happens there. Uh, more to be more on that topic, um, guys. It was uh, it was a great show, uh, Nathan. We we really enjoyed your company. Thanks for all your takes and, and being on with us.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thank you guys for having me on, and uh, more than happy to, to join you guys again in the near future to talk more sports, baby.
2: All right the editor uh
0: and uh next week or next show we'll have rich hamilton on we're going to talk about borderline hall of famers can't wait to have uh, mr hamilton on the show once again thank you guys and uh, we'll see you next time